0: Well, thank you so much for coming, Shar and You're welcome. <laughs> it was so nice to see yesterday at the uh, the groundbreaking of Flamingo. It's such a long journey. and that's what I want to hear about today. I'd love to hear uh, I think people want to know, I think people should know your story,
1: yeah. no, it's been a, a absolutely amazing journey. And you know, one of the things I, I I wanted to tell everybody in the speech as well, but then I thought, ah, it might be uh, people might get upset about it which was the journey in Wally itself. Um, I have been in two physical fights. One guy, then the third one, a guy chasing me with a machete. Oh, my God. And one guy threatened me over the phone. And I basically told him, stay right there. I'm coming right over. (laughs) (laughs) So that one I didn't want to tell everybody because I say, if my wife learned about it, she'd be pretty upset about it and, maybe some of the other people sitting in the audience may not uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, they might get upset. But it's been a, a tough journey but uh, the nice thing at the end of the day is that it's rewarding. Oh yeah. So yesterday was a very big reward for me. Sally the flamingo was nice but you, when you actually start a project um uh, you know digging the first dig in there yeah. and getting the site ready that's when you really come to reality. Yeah. You know, it's the sale of the Flamingo was great, but this is now a, a real product they're gonna be doing. Yeah, feels real. Feel feel really good. And I say, I mean, um, I've been not sleeping good for about a week now, worrying about yesterday. And, but um, uh, last night I went home, I was exhausted, but I slept like a baby. <laughs> like I I'd slept solid from 10.30 to four o'clock. In the morning, oh, it was solid, but like it was, <laughs> yeah, I haven't slept like
0: that for, for quite some time now. And so it was really satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're happy with six hours or six and a half hours, that says a lot too. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually if I get six solid hours, I'm actually very good. I can get up and do something, but I usually
1: try to get seven to eight hours sleep. if I
0: Yeah. Can. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, we've started in the middle, but let's jump into the beginning of your story. You were born in India. Born in India, um, uh, we were. I was 13 years old when we
1: emigrated to um, England. Why England, do you know? Yeah, because uh, my father moved there. So my father uh, was originally, um, of course, in India, went to Africa for a few years, came back, then decided, you know, India's not where he wants to be. Then at that point, back in 1958, a lot of uh, people were, a lot of um, Indians were immigrating to England because it was pretty easy. You know, you just all you just get on the plane and you're there. Um, uh, financially, it was tough, but um, they he took off there in 1958, and then we joined him in 1963, uh-huh. and um, it's just simply to join the family back together again. Yeah. So myself and uh, my brother and my um, sister.
0: Was he in business or what took him over there? No, no, he's a carpenter.
1: Like uh-huh. he's not a business person, um, just a hard hard worker. Uh, all we remember about him, it, when he when he was working, was he leave home around six thirty, quarter seven, on a bike, um, and then cycle. I think it was ten or eleven miles each way, and worked as a carpenter during the day, and then come came home, and we didn't see him till about seven o'clock in the evening as well. Um wow. and then you know and then as years go by then he ended up uh, getting a vehicle then driving yeah
0: yeah and where did you live in london um the it apartment? was just
1: outside london it's um, a place called south hall um it's a um, uh, it used to be pretty uh, quite a little town but it's now it's very busy um, um you they, they 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 say that the best indian food outside of india is just actually in south hall
0: yeah no, oh,
1: and you were in an apartment there. No, no, we had a single family home. Oh, nice, yeah, a single family home.
0: Just by ourselves, or
1: with an no, extended uh, with, with our family. Uh, most people in England live in um, um, uh, extended family living. So even when I was married, I had both my boys. I was still living with my parents. Yeah, it's 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 um, not housing isn't the uh, on top of our mind like here when as soon we come. The especially in the Eastern community they come, we want our own house, then we want a bigger house, and we want a bigger house. Yeah, um, in England wasn't the wasn't that the England most was actually socializing. So so the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. Um, nobody ever really phoned each other, say I'm coming over for tea or. Dinner, they just got up and went to somebody else's house. Yeah. That was, it. You know, yeah. It, was a, uh, it. It was different. And when I came over to Canada, it was a shock that people here, you have to make an appointment. If you show up <laughs> the door, they say, sorry, we are busy. See you till some other day. Yeah. It took a long time for us to adjust to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what ages were you in England? I was there for 17 years. Oh, wow. From
1: uh, like 10? The- 13 13 i was 13 when i immigrated to um, uh, england and then um got married in 1970 and in um, england no in india it was a a, what they call a semi-arranged marriage oh i see so my grandfather said uh, you're coming back home to see the family when i went there they wanted me to get married yeah. <laughs> so it was that was it. You don't say to no to grandpa at that point. Yeah. But he did give me the choice. Okay, if you don't like the girl, you don't have to get married. So yeah. you didn't get you didn't get to spend days and days with her or go out with her yeah. um or live with her. No, you saw her for about 10 15 minutes, maybe half an hour, Yeah, and then you decide, you made a decision. Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah. And you probably That was that was it. That's why. That's a total interview. Yeah. Yeah. And that was uh Probably not even private, right? There's probably. No, it was private. Oh, was it, it was private, yeah.
1: The, I, I insisted it was private. So the, 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 the elders didn't really like it that much, because I was in dictating some of my terms. And if I'm going to go with their
0: term, they have to abide by some of my terms as yeah. well. So- They're probably saying, oh, London thinks he can dictate some terms.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm a stubborn guy. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I think my grandfather realized that fairly quickly. Yeah. That okay, let him have something, then we'll take everything else away from him.
0: <laughs> and you're still married? Yes, 51 years. Amazing. Yeah. Do you remember how that first 10-15 minutes went? Do you remember what you talked about? Yeah, I th- I think it was
1: basically um, asking some personal question about uh, to Raj. And then the other thing was, which was the main thing for me, is that you live in, you're leaving uh, your. We're going to be moving to England. You're going gonna to leave your family behind. Is that okay with you? And to tell you the truth, she didn't say much. Yeah. She didn't say much. You know, I to tried to get her to say a lot. She's. She kind of agreed with whatever I said. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, so
0: that's the secret to marriage.
1: Well I don't I do, I I wouldn't put and I wouldn't push that now. Well things have changed. Things have changed. Now the girls are going to ask you more questions than you are going to ask questions.
0: So then back to London and yeah. uh and did you start a family there?
1: Yes, I had uh, my older boy Bob, uh he was born there and um uh, and then oh, both my boys were actually born in England. Yeah. So um, I think Rocky, younger one was about 11 months old when we came to Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh,
0: both boy, both boys are British. And was your uh, move to Canada, was that your initiative or your dad's or?
1: No, mine, mine. I, I, the dad didn't uh, didn't want me to move, but I didn't see the future there. There was a lot of discrimination. I had a fantastic job actually. Um, I was a superintendent of a factory. Um, um, uh, they used to make uh, aerosol can and beer cans. Um, so I was getting very high wages but I couldn't see myself or see my kids being uh, happy there for a long time. I mean, that was just my assumption, you know, I'm, I'm sure they would be happy somewhere. We all tend to adapt, but I wanted something a little bit more for them yeah. and more for me as well. So- um, how, the, how'd you choose Canada? Um, Raj's sister lived in Vancouver. So I've been here once um, and we, we kind of liked it. I liked the NBC. But when I when I actually finally made a decision to go, I told my, uh, the factory I worked in, and I said, "Listen, you know I, um, I, I want to go to Canada, so I'm going to be applying for it." And they didn't want to lose me. So I was one of five people in the world who could um, uh, basically fix certain type of machines, which makes aerosol cans. And they didn't want to lose me. So they had a plant in uh, uh, Concord, Toronto area and they basically very quickly said, okay, you know what, if you wanna to go to Canada, we can do give you a transfer. So uh, they, they got me immigration, they, got, they transferred me. Um, when I came here, they found me an apartment. Um, but uh, it was such a uh, different environment. You're coming from extended family living in, a, in an environment which is very social and then you're coming into an area which is basically rental buildings, and now you're living in a apartment building. And uh, what hit me one day was we were walking down the hallway in a condo building where we lived, and Bob says, um, you know, he was um, four, and he says, uh, "I don't want to go. I don't want to like. I don't like this hospital. I want to go home." I, it made me cry that day, uh, honestly. Like it's it wasn't wasn't the most pleasant feeling. And um, from there on, I said, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? You know, if I if I can't, uh, if I'm not that happy um, and my kid's not happy, um, I never even thought about he'll adjust to it because I don't think I would have been able to adjust to, into that condo living. And uh, it was a, a very noisy condo building. There was always seemed to be a, some sort of a fight going on somewhere. Uh, down on the uh, on the ground level. What part of town was it? Oh, what was the name of the town? Uh, it was just outside uh, Toronto. I forget the name of the town now. Oh. But it was, um, um, it, it, w- it wasn't a bad area by any mean. It just, just it's multifamily. It's uh, it's um, a lot, a lot of condo buildings and a lot of rentals. And that does not create a, like, a, it's not the same environment if it's the condo buildings are actually owner-occupied. Than tenant building, so the, the ten, tenants tend to be a little bit more transient, and um, um, so anyway, I think the second one was actually when I was, um, I was put on a what here they call a graveyard, so I started at 11 o'clock and finished at seven o'clock in the morning. That was hard on me, uh, because your whole system is upside down, you know, like eating habits and everything, yeah. And uh, then thought about rajas at home alone with a kid. Um, it, it, I think within f- five months, I said, screw this, sorry, uh, but I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. And, um, uh, a number of people, um, what, my uncle who lived in, uh, uh Brampton, he, he, no, not Brampton, um, Hamilton. He tried to persuade me. He said, look, you're getting more than I am. You, you, you got phenomenal job, phenomenal everything. I said, I don't care if I'm not happy. I'm not, I don't want to be here. You know, so within five months, uh, we went back home, joined back in the comp- back at the, with the company again. and um, But couldn't settle, couldn't settle. Once, once you, I guess I would go out a little bit adventurous and because I knew I liked BC. So I think it was one year later or two years later, two years later, two years later, I decided, you know what, maybe I should try BC. At that point, I was at a point, okay, I don't think I'm gonna come back. So I packed them because I'm a machinist by trade, so I packed my tools in, in a smaller toolbox, which is precision tools, micrometers and stuff like that. It's expensive. So I said to Raj, honey, I'm, I'm gonna go over there. And to Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. you know? So when I landed, I stayed with my brother-in-law, my, my sister-in-law, Raj's sister, and, um, and um, uh, got my first job, Within 10 months, my promise with Raj was, if I can't get a job, then I'll come back, but I will get a job, you know? Yeah. Actually, I got my job on the weekend, long weekend. So I started knocking on doors every day, every single day, knocking on doors, yeah.
0: Yeah. How long did it take you to get a job? 10 days. 10 days. Yeah, never been unemployed since. <laughs> wow, <laughs> and that was for a similar company doing machine. Work? No, it was machining. Yeah, it's
1: actually not f- far from here. It's on Powell Street, Powell and uh, Clark, uh-huh. uh, Harrison, Horton, uh, Harrison uh, and Sons. I think it was Harrison Robbins. Uh-huh. It's no longer there. The building's still there, but the it was basically machining um, parts for uh,
0: fishing boats. Yeah, you know, we made winches and stuff like that. Is what cool. We made. Yeah. And you made you sent for Raj and the kid and the boys.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was about three months, something like that. Uh, where I said, "Okay, honey, pack up the bag, coming over." Cool. That was it. And then what? You had other jobs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, worked at a, a machinist in that one for quite some time. Then worked in a machinist shop in Richmond, which was much closer for me. And um, um but there's limitation. So when you're working for somebody, there's a limitation to what you can make. Um, we worked long hours. We worked, um, um, by that time, I think it was 1980, when my younger brother joined me as well. And so together we were working in the same shop, but I think the foreman got um, uh, afraid of us. We were highly skilled, both of us. And especially my younger brother, Janal, he was, he's very highly skilled. And I think he got threatened that he, you know, these guys might take my job. Yeah. We had no intention of being a foreman or anything like that. And um, so he, he, they basically laid him off. That was it, I, I I I couldn't understand it because we worked very, very hard. We are both company people, you know, wherever we go, we just, we just work. We don't go to work to collect a paycheck. We go to work. And then work. give you a paycheck, right? Yeah. And uh, so at that point, I said to Janelle, my younger brother, I said, "You know what? I think you need to start a business, and I'll think about what I'm going to do as well." So he started uh, working on um, uh, uh, cap, kitchen cabin and so forth. And I, then at that point, I said, well, "What I'm going to go do?" Then the real estate always attracted me, so I, I took my realtor license while I was working. And then saved enough money to last me a year, because remember at that time I have now three kids and um, um, a house, right? So yeah. um, it was it was scary, but you know now you at that time I think it was making about forty two, forty three thousand dollars a year as a, a realtor, as a, as a machinist back in 1985, you can imagine 1985, that's a lot of money, yeah, right? But, um, uh, and then still was work, you know, still the art jobs, like a piece of delivery, buying um, slightly damaged goods from wholesalers, selling them in the uh, flea markets on the weekend as well. So wow. three jobs at the same time. So some, some, uh, I think we did that for about three years. And uh, when I took my little realtor license, I just, want be to be one of the best realtors out there that yeah. was it. yeah and that was tough because when you don't know anything you don't know anything. <laughs> 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 but the only thing you know is uh, you know you, you're gonna make it make it happen and uh, you just have to be determined to that so um, having a year' saving so I didn't have to worry about yeah how much um, um, you know where I'm gonna get the money to pay my bills and mortgage and everything right uh, having kids and everything um so I gave myself a year but um um i think uh, i think it was around s- 6 months um uh, became rookie of the year um but that was because i had some wonderful colleagues who helped me um uh, one guy bashir manji i remember him very well because he saw me struggling he saw me doing hours and hours of cold calling he saw he knew i he did, did uh, uh, door knocking as well and um, he said, you want to do some open houses? I said, sure, let's do open houses. So he would give me open houses. He said, uh, you know, they're not ready yet, but wait. I said, no, I don't want to wait. So they're in drywall stage. I used to wear a black suit all the time. And I would go in, have an um, uh, open house um, in a home, which just being drywall or being finished drywall. And you can imagine like there's dust everywhere. Yeah. but. It gave me a start. It uh, started compiling a database of people. Started chasing them up and say, "Hey, you know, I'm this, the home is still there," and um, that gave me a big break. That gave me a big break, and um, I used to do, do four open houses a weekend. Somebody say, "How you do that?" That's twelve to two, two thirty to five thirty, Saturday and Sunday. Wow! Yeah. So it was, uh, but it was it was fun. You know, it was. I never, uh, you know, uh, the other day somebody asked me, he says, Chen, you must have a hard life. I said, never think about it. I don't know whether I've ever had a hard life or not. I I just worked, like I never thought about it. Oh my God, this is so hard. Even when I was doing pizza delivery, I mean, it was kind of fun because uh, when there's no uh, uh, Google map at that time, there's no cell phone. And uh, so you had to, uh, the, I don't know whether you, you know, but the, um, uh, the um, uh, map books, that's what I survived <laughs> on, right? And so as soon as somebody say, okay, you got a delivery, you got to take it there. And my my job was to, to try and get a big tip from those people. So if I can get the pizza over to the home ASAP, I, I know I'm going to get a tip. Yeah. So I worked for my tips more of the time. Yeah. And the other thing was um, the the gentleman who owned the pizza store, just an absolutely amazing person. He would allow each one of the employees to take one pizza home. So doesn't matter. And once a week, he will actually fill the tank of gas, give us a tank of gas as well. Oh, nice. Very, very generous man, very yeah. generous. So people were very happy with him. Nobody ever stole anything from him. Yeah. They were. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you don't make much and you get a pizza home and by God. That's tomorrow's lunch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um and so it was
0: it was a nice it was nice times. It was really nice times. That sounds I, pretty I nice. enjoyed it. Yeah. But you know, buying broken stuff and fixing it up and selling it at the flea market, that sounds tough.
1: No, no, it was because I'm very handy um in doing things things. And um and we found a couple of um um uh, wholesalers here who brought in uh, handicraft from India. And they'd be slightly damaged. That they wouldn't like. Sometimes you couldn't even see them, but they didn't want to put them in in their show, showrooms. So we bought it off like ten cents to a dollar, and we put we went to the flea market and um, polish them up a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's the one. So we went on the terminal one. Uh, we went to um, oh that building. Yep, that building. Yeah. So and then we also done uh, one in uh, I think it was New West. We done it, but the terminal one we were, uh we liked the most because that's uh, uh, we did the most amount of sale. But so most amount of sale, what's the most amount of sale? Forty bucks. Yeah, forty bucks in you know five, four, five hours It was a big, big day. Yeah, you know we got five mouths to feed and yeah, I mean that. But that to remember that's to two of us, and my brother and myself. Both of us uh, were getting forty bucks for that day combined. Yeah, combined. Yeah, like, you know. I, I I don't think we have made much more than fifty bucks a day. Yeah. But if you made fifty bucks a day, that's hundred bucks on a weekend. Yeah. Not a bad bad yeah. deal for that time, right? But you don't have anything. Then fifty bucks is a lot of money. Yeah. And I remember in those days, you know, you could turn around and go to Save uh, Safeway. Um, I mean, I I remember very clearly because food in England was expensive when you come here. It's actually cheap. Um, we could fill up a whole buggy of Safeway buggy about 60 bucks, whatever we want. And that seemed cheap, was cheap. That was cheap. Yeah. I mean, now you won't go into a grocery store, you take a bag out, you're gonna pay 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Actually Whole Foods. Yeah, exactly. So are you six months in, you won Rookie of the Year, thanks to help from people like Bashir? Yeah. And um, and then you became even more successful after that?
1: Yeah, I, I basically I, t- I worked for Century 21 when I joined back in 1985 um kept on going upwards in in the sales so very I got the knack of it fairly good. Um, you know I'm one of those guys I I don't uh I don't give up that easy. so I just started I mean we didn't have computers so we had a Rolodex, uh Rolodex basically we had um hard buyers, quarter buyers uh, um, uh, Fisbos, which is for sale by owner. And future ten, future ones, those that was a real role. I still actually ha- still have that Rolodex. Um, basically, that was my database. Wow! So I just worked that database, and um, uh, and that worked really well. And uh, you know, once you get the hang of it, uh, it's, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. You just have to be determined to do so. Mm-hmm. And um, then I reached a certain stage of uh, income. But since you twenty one, I don't know what it is right now, but it was a split house. So you had to give certain amount to certain percentage to the office itself. So I was, I think it was 70, 80, uh, 70% to me, um, no, 70, 70, 30. So 30% to them. And I would try to change it to um, uh, 15 uh, to them. They wouldn't change it. So then I heard about Remax, Um and had an interview with them, joined them. And um, I
0: think within one year, I basically doubled my income. Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you got any development sites too, selling them? Yeah, no. Uh,
1: basically, I, when I got in, my first uh, break in the big deal was a guy named of Lon He's retired now, but you know he had a, a site uh, in Number Five in Camby in Richmond. Um, he assembled some land. And one day he's uh, walking in the hallways, like he's shaking his head and swearing and cursing. My deal fell apart. So I said to him, Lon, 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 what is it? He said, I've got this ton site and I worked on it for more than a year and a half. And the deal came in, now it's done, you know, it's fallen apart. Now I don't know what to do about it. I said, why don't you give me the information? He said, no, no, it's my deal. I said, give me the deal we We'd say 50-50. It's a 50-50 commission going in, 50-50 when we sell the product. I said, sure, whatever. Like, you know, beggars can't be the, the choosers, right? So I said, 50% of something is better than nothing, right? So I d- d- got that information from him and started knocking on developers' doors and said, you know, I'll buy this. And sold that to them and then um, uh, got the taste of uh, um, selling projects at that point. Yeah. That was actually my uh, first one. And um, and from there on, I started assembly land myself uh, to, for developers. And I um, did that for 18 years. 18 years was land assembly work. Um, land assembly work is uh, very rewarding when the deals actually come up together. Yeah. But you have to have, you know, three, four land assembly going all at the same time because not every deal is going to stick. Yeah. Um, so I always had something going all the time. And... Um, it worked out good, it worked out good. And it got to a point where, you know, majority of my business was land assembly. Yeah, I didn't give up single family homes and townhouse apartments there, you know, but I basically concerted in Richmond. My Richmond was my farm. Richmond is where I knew, I mean, you tell me um, uh, a okay. house somewhere, I probably could tell you price on it. I knew every street in there. And we didn't have Google Map where you you could sit in your computer and you can actually walk the street. You can see the outside of the street. Mm -hmm. We didn't have all the uh, websites that's available through each city at that point. So if you wanted to have the lot size, you had to run over to the city to see the map books and see what the lot size is. Mm -hmm. And um, and so you get to know uh, things really fast, really. uh, but obviously now, I mean, somebody calls me about they want to they have a site to sell to me. I can get on the computer while they're talking to me. I can pretty much know exactly what they're talking about and have be literally be on the on the site site, yeah, <laughs> sitting on 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 the, in the office.
0: Yeah. You sold Ani their first site in Steveston, I think.
1: Yeah. To t- no, that was one of the sites. I mean, I have sold a lot of sites, but that was. One of the big deals, Um, uh, I did a very large deal on the corner of Alderbridge and number four road, Northwest corner, I sold probably about half that block. Uh, That was to um, a couple of gentlemen in Vancouver. And then um, um, did a lot lot of deal with a lot of people, but the biggest one um, where I changed my career was uh, Oni, which was the BC Packer site. So BC Packer site uh, that came on, they came on the market. And then I negotiated the deal for them, for Ani at that point, and it uh, um, took us a long time. It didn't, I think we put an offer in it, and then uh, they took the property off the market, uh, then it came back on again, and then basically went back to Ani again and said, listen, you know, this property's um, come off for sale. Then I was given the task, okay, do a feasibility. If it works, then um, bring it in. I I mean, there was both my boys, uh, my controller, Pete, we all worked on the feasibility, doing a lot lot of work on it and put a bid in it. And um, the bids were very close. And then the owner said, go away, come back with your best bid. So went back to Arnie and say, listen, you know, we need, I need you to bump the offer up by this much and uh, luckily they did. And luckily for them, it worked out to be probably one of the better deals back then.
0: Yeah, it was a very mm-hmm. good deal, yeah. And uh, were you ever a bodybuilder? Yeah. I saw a picture <laughs> that makes me silly, think you were. Silly and stupid, I guess, call it, <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, I never worked. really worked out my entire life. I was too busy working, raising family, moving to, uh, to England, coming over here, then moving again and uh, settling down all the time. So it was busy all the time. Like I, I even now I, there is hardly, uh, I, I can't sit still. I need to do something. If I there's this good movie, um, uh, I'd like last night, I watched Rambo, Last Blood, I think it's called. It was fantastic. <laughs> was it? it was a fantastic movie. Anyway, so I was tired. I just want to watch a movie. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, uh, you know, I don't sit still that much. And um, uh, at, when I was 55, I got this, um, I, I, th- I can't remember exactly what happened, but I, sh- I thought I should go to the gym. Maybe somebody uh, got sick or something and it made me go to the gym. And then I became addicted to it. I became so addicted, but like I, I couldn't stay away from it. If I didn't go um, to the gym, I missed a gym day. My body would hurt. It would. I, I would feel bad. I would hurt. I, so I had to go to the gym. So five days a week, uh, gym, and Saturday morning, um, cardio. Um, and then it became so addicted because all the. I'm, I'm a tiny guy, and all the guys are in the gym were big, uh, then met this guy Serge, and uh, he's um he's from he's from Russia, very tough guy, um, uh, won Masters Championship a number of times, so I still started training with him, and then that got even good or worse, whatever you want to call it, so I will now wanted to become big, and of course you know the uh, uh, a lot of the other guys, uh, Serge did never took any drugs. None none of the HEH or anything like that. He just ate good stuff and that was his. And um, and so other people were telling me, take this, take this, you're going to be okay. Then Serge says, whatever you do, don't touch any of that stuff because there's side effects on the horrible. Uh, So I didn't do it. And then I started training under him and then I went from 155
0: to 185, about eight, 9% body fat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So your name is now synonymous with Wally. You're the mayor of Wally. Some say, <laughs> when did you fall in love with Wally? When did the plans for Wally start? Uh, 16 years ago,
1: 16 years ago, basically I was, um, my daughter lived, um, in, um, Fraser Heights. So our normal path was, um, through new West over the Patole Bridge, left on 108 and then back up to Fraser Heights. So that corner was in my face every time we turned 108 and uh, King George. And the second block over, it was basically barren about eight or nine house, small little houses, and the rest was all basically um, stumps. And there was an old um, uh, Realtor sign on it and it had weed growing on it. So it must've been there for a number of years. So one day I, I I made me curious. So I took the name and number down, called him up. So I told him I'm a realtor, you know, I'm looking at this site and I wasn't hiding anything. Um, and and he based his reaction was, Sharon, you know, we've had a number of people tie it up and they drop it. Um, it's a, it's a good deal, but the, the, the owners are willing to uh, do a lot, uh, but they're fixed in price. And, um, um, it's up to you. So I got together with him and uh, wrote up an offer, and um, basically the offer was accepted. And, and and as as planning went forward, because I was so used to planning for other developers, started planning my own development, and um, um, it became obvious to me that there is a big future in in here. Um, and as I said uh, yesterday, with uh, um. I, I, it said my experience with uh, Mayor Doug McCallum. At that at that time he was not the mayor, uh, but he was gracious enough to grab me an interview and actually come on the site and talk about Wally itself. And that really enforced my thought on it, yeah, this is the right place to be. I should be here. Um, then not only we purchased the almost a complete block where the quarter buildings are, but then we bought two-thirds of Flamingo block as well, which which included the Flamingo Hotel and the building next door as well, um, and uh, started planning that. I mean, I still have the plan, which was penciled in way back then. What this area is going to look like? Yeah, it has come to almost the same, almost same. If not, it's more density on the Flamingo block, but the other buildings are almost the same. Really, almost the same. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, it feels good. It feels good. As I say yesterday. Really was like, what do you guys call it? say, icing on the cake? Yeah, to been working so hard to bring the price point up to for that area because nobody wanted the area. Yeah, but now it's come to a point you can be afford to build a high rise there. Yeah, it's funny, you know. Yesterday, um, um, somebody wrote on the um, um, Facebook, "Does this uh, home have affordable housing?" So my initial reaction is, I mean, I'm mean, i one of those guys, okay, what is affordable, affordable for who? What is that price point? Where are you, um, you know, what's your income level? So it's this affordability is, is used um, in so many wrong, uh, wrong ways um, that I just fired back. I said, you know, what do you mean? Of, what is your definition of affordable? And the person didn't respond back. Didn't have time to respond back then. Um, I have a, a good mentor friend, um, uh, Michael Geller. He responded, and he, and I was actually so pleased that he, he he's such. I mean, he's such a highly educated person, planner. I mean, every title that you can name, he's got it. And um, he wrote back, it, it, "This must be affordable because." Every building is sold in one day. That was the answer, and it's it's even become more affordable because it's within walking distance of Skytrain, and it's, it's you know it's it's beautifully written, very small. The person didn't have any chance to respond to it because what? Yeah. How do you say? It? I mean, yeah. you know, what are you going to say to that? Yeah, you know, you don't need to have a car, uh, and then people are buying it in a day. Yeah, why? Why wouldn't? Why don't you call that an affordable?
0: Yeah, yeah. So like in terms of market housing it is by that definition right
1: it is I mean I take a lot of pride in um uh, not catering to the upper end i in especially this area um I think we've done extremely well the people who bought into Wally have done extremely well um uh, they've made a lot of money I mean some condos sold at one oh nine hundred nine thousand dollars um are um uh, studio uh, units, which is in the uh, Balance Project, 300 square feet units. Those we sold average of 129 thousand um, dollars, and there was no such product at that price point nowhere.
0: Yeah,
1: and th- anybody with five thousand dollars down, six thousand dollars down, they could buy one in there. Uh, you know, in fact, our first buyer was a student who studied at Douglas College. Uh, he w- worked full time and studied full time. And he lined up to get that unit in there. And it was a wonderful experience because I actually talked to the kid and said he told me the whole story. He said he wants to buy his own thing. And he, at the end of the day, he actually paid a little less uh, in mortgage and uh, strata fees and taxes than he was paying as rent. Cool. So uh, so it's been a lot of success stories in, in with the not only with us, but the people who actually took a chance and invested
0: in Wally itself. Is that your favorite part? The people that gambled on you and your vision and, and won?
1: I don't know whether it's gambled on me, but I think it's them making a decision in buying when they were able to buy. You know, I can't force anybody to buy anything. I can't provide a good quality product. I can't provide the best I can for that price point. But somebody going to make a decision, and those people who made those decision to buy are the winners. I had really don't have anything to do with it, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I think, um, um, I mean, I, I could say, yeah, you know, I gave them this much, and like, no, somebody had to make a decision. Somebody had to said, you know, I am going to be able to, t- I'm going to take a mortgage out. I'm going to go and buy this. I'm going to borrow money from mom or dad, uh, whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to do it. So, to me, I mean, they, they, they made the decision. They trusted their own instinct, bought into it. Now they're winners.
0: Yeah. That's cool. So you got your boy, your eldest with you in the business, Bob. Yes. And uh, your second son, Rocky works in the industry as a development leader at Adira. That's right. Yeah. And what does your daughter do?
1: Daughter is a a life coach. She's in Austin, Texas. And uh, um, so basically she coaches um, women only. She does not coach men. Um, And um, she she had a little bit of a tough life herself originally. She sorted herself out and learned a lot by experience
0: in in doing what she uh, she does now and um, so That's why she's a life coach because she she's a life coach had a had a zigzaggy path and That's right. has a lot to share yeah. I guess
1: and she doesn't mind sharing it I don't mind sharing it either she actually uh, uh, wrote a book as well uh, which came out um, I think a few months back what's that about uh, um, potent uh, potent, leadership. potent leadership potent leadership yeah and um, um, her name is Ruby Fremont. she in fact right now she's in the Amazon jungle. So she did a trip, I think it was last year, two years ago. And uh, what she did was, um, she wanted to study how the uh, people in the Amazon um, are able to live without much. So she went, there was a group who used to go out there and she went with them and she stayed with in the Amazon jungle, basically eating what they eat. Wow. Yeah, it's a basically, it's a vegetarian diet. Um, And, uh, she's she's as we speak as I say she's in Amazon jungle now. She's coming back on um, Monday next week.
0: She sounds very interesting.
1: Yeah, no, she's she's learning things from the natives uh, that I think um, we in the Western society need to learn um, because I think we're we're putting too much garbage in ourselves. And when you're down to the basics, uh, what does your body need? Your body need to be fed is need to be fed the um right foods that you the right nutrition yeah. and here these are people in the jungle, and they're basically living off the land you know and um so she she got um quite taken by it and say that's what reason she is out there now for the
0: second time um I wouldn't want to do it,
1: <laughs> but she did. She did.
0: <laughs> no, it sounds wild, literally. Yeah, no. And what about her uh, life path took her to the Amazon? How do you mean? Well, what experience did she have in her life that, that led her to be a life coach and writing that book?
1: No, I think it was uh, what it was. It was um, uh, tough growing up. And then uh, as she's, you know, uh, her marriage broke up um, after a few years. And uh, then she basically uh, went on her own and experimented, and through that part of it, and she wanted to. She has a very, very strong personality, so it's like almost duplicate of me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and um, she wanted to learn everything herself and be somebody. Uh, and she did a phenomenal job. I mean, I admire her so much because um, she's um, she's a true leader. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is when when she used the word "f." A lot in her speeches, so when, <laughs> so she went on the stage. She she's not afraid of using the f word at all. Yeah. So I tried to tell her. I said, "She's a dad. You don't have to
0: listen to it." Then <laughs> uh, is that her there, Nick? Yeah, that's her. Yeah. I'm Ruby Freeman. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. What is that, Ruby Freeman? F-R-E-M-O-N, f R E M O N. No, that's I her
1: surname now. now. That's yeah. uh, uh, like uh, Ruby Sethi should be, but uh, but she's <laughs> yeah. because she's married, so she's yeah, uh, adopted. Uh, her husband. She's saying.
0: got an F bomb right in the very first. There you go. <laughs> <website>. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, no. She, as I say, she's a very, very strong personality. Very good speaker. She as, gets invited all over the place now, and um, she's learning a lot. And that book, actually, I read it, and I said, "Oh my God, Ruby, you told all the truth, and you didn't hide anything about our family either." Yeah. And um, but at the end of it, and I, so I didn't say that to her, but I actually, for me. I said, you know what? Thank you, because the most important thing I learned from that uh, uh, book was she never blamed one thing on us. Oh wow! She didn't say you f parents. She said you did what you knew best at that moment in time. Yeah, because a lot of lot of kids, what happens is they they tend to blame their parents for the tough time they're going through. Yeah or the idiots they're turned into, or they don't know how to deal with the life. And it's always a bloody parents' problem. Uh, their fault. Yeah. Not one moment, she blames us. Yeah. Not one moment. And that book, as I say, I, when I read it, first I was really upset. I said, honey, you wrote everything. Like, <laughs> like not a word of lie in there. And yeah. you want it to be plain Ruby. And, after finishing it and i had to think about it and i went back because i i have a habit of highlighting certain portion of a book Me too. which which kind of um, reinforces in your mind reinforcing in your mind yeah. right so it was quite a lot so i went and read every highlighted part of it and i said honey you know it was a tell all yeah you know you told all and throughout the whole telling all you didn't blame us for one sec that's we
0: cool. And what'd she say? Uh,
1: no, I didn't say that to her. Oh. I'm I'm talking to, yeah. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. At that time, once I finished my book, I was I was talking to myself, and I said, "I'm so proud of you because you didn't say you messed up my life. You F my life. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I, whatever did I was I, I did it. it. It's cool. And I am who I am now. Yeah. Right. That, that is that is so nice because I think a lot of kids, a lot of parent, a lot of people can learn from her. Like, don't blame your circumstances. Yeah, blame yourself if you if you don't want to proceed. Blame yourself if you're not going to be a leader. Um, if you want to flow through life, don't blame any your parents. Oh, my parents didn't give me the education. Well, I don't think there's any parents out there who don't don't want to give the, all the best to the parents. I think they all want to. It doesn't matter whether you make $10,000 a year or $50 million a year. We all want to give them the best. We don't, uh, parents, when you give a birth to a child, you just say, I'm going to make an idiot out of this kid. <laughs> right? Someone somewhere must have said it once, but. I, I don't know, but um, uh, I hope it wasn't you. Uh, but <laughs> but that's basically what happens, right? And uh, um, and that's, I mean, I my father uh, was a hardworking carpenter. He was not a businessman. So do I turn around and not become a businessman? Because my dad wasn't, because here, well, my dad didn't train me to be businessman, So I don't, yeah. he didn't leave me the business. I'm not doing that like, right. So I think um, for that part of it, I say but the strongest part I like about Ruby is that she doesn't blame anybody for anything. She said, if I'm going to make a mistake, it's my mistake, nobody else's mistake. Cool. You know. So going to Amazon, I mean, harassment. I was actually talking to him this morning. I said, Kevin, when's uh, Ruby coming back? She said, uh, he said, oh, Monday. I said, oh, my God. I, t- I said, um, uh, you know, so we started talking a little bit. And I said, um, you know, um, you w- I, I wouldn't do that. He said, no, I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to the jungle either.
0: Yeah. How long has she been there? Um, a total of 15 days in the jungle and a total of 18 days away from home. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that what does she talk about when she travels and does speak at engagements? Uh, basically, uh, uh um,
1: number one, uh, the, her big line is love yourself. Yeah. Um, if you don't love yourself, you hate yourself, then of course, you, who are you gonna love, right? Yeah. That's number one. The second one is basically now be strong and have fine inner strength to do whatever you need to do. Yeah. And uh, you know it's uh, sorry those uh, the females who are listening to this uh, audio, but sometimes females tend to be put in a position where they're not allowed to think that way. They but I mean today's females I mean they're wonderful, they're absolutely amazing. I mean I mean I mean take Monica in my office, I mean oh God like you know don't get her in her way. <laughs> You know, I, I can give it almost any job and it'd be done to perfection. Yeah, it's like, amazing. You know, it's amazing. So a lot of beautiful women coming to, uh, into the business world and going because they were never given the opportunity. So right now what Ruby is doing is Ruby is saying, you have all the opportunities you want, but you're going to take it. You know, you just can't turn around and say, okay, you know, I'm a female. No, def-
0: F that. Yeah. Is Rocky strong-willed like you too? Is he a... Perfect. I think
1: all three of my kids are very strong. Yeah. They're strong world. Uh, Rocky is um, uh, very career oriented. He lives, eat, breathe at real estate. That's what yes. he does. So when we were working together in the same office, I mean, I had to say half a sentence. He knew what was going on. Yeah. So we actually, both of us actually think absolutely almost 100% alike. Um, and um, no, I mean, you, you've seen him, his career change. I mean, he went from being a project manager all the way to, I think when he was with Anthem, I think he was a director. And now he's this uh, chief operating officer at Adira. And he's a leader in um, uh, Mass Timber. Yeah, he's been uh, invited to a lot of places. I think he was in uh, um, uh, downstate somewhere uh, where he was doing, uh, he was asked to speak in front of a panel. Yeah, very knowledgeable. Uh, yeah, and UDI. I mean, he believes in, in mass timber, and uh, good for him. And uh, it is a way to go, but unfortunately, right now, it's expensive. It's almost same price as concrete. So, do I want to turn around and build a concrete, or do I want to build build a wood frame? Yeah, uh, building a mass
0: timber. Yeah,
1: right now, I I can't afford to take a chance in building a uh, mass timber in Wally.
0: And selling it for the same price as you the same could pro concrete. Because
1: I don't know whether I can get the same price in Wally itself
0: yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he could make an argument why mass timber is better, but it's still a risk.
1: The mass timber, I mean, I've done a lot of research on it. Um, I think it is a better building. Um, it stands same fire ratings as uh, concrete does. Um, of course, there's a lot of environmental um, benefits. That we have for us as well, um, uh, but again, does it, does the um, public understand it to a point where they say, okay, I'll go it. So yeah. you have to, as as developers, now we have to go through the um, teaching. This is what this is about, and they have to, the consumer have to learn about the product sell before they buy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the easiest thing to sell is a say a phone where they know they can find out everything they know about it okay it's easy but when you have to t- turn around and try to explain things and this is how it works and now you're basically educate the consumer not everybody gets it not yeah. everybody wants to have the time they just want to make a decision they want to
0: know what's the norm yeah i get it right it's a concrete check
1: yeah exactly move yeah move on yeah right? uh no i've thought about uh, going over to bass timber uh, then after looking at the pricing on it, it's it's uh, and there's not enough manufacture of mass timber products, yeah, and there's not enough people who know about it to a point where we can actually turn around, and, uh, bring the cost down, yeah, and the public hasn't been educated enough yet, yeah, to take a chance on. it. I mean, there's uh, Dero done it. Um, I think uh, uh, Port uh, uh, David Port has done uh, one or two buildings. There's few people now starting to do it, but yeah. I think everybody's hesitating a little bit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad they're doing it. Somebody has to be first. Yeah,
1: somebody has to be first. And yeah. um, I mean, uh, David Port and his company at Adira, they're, they're, they're uh, big concerns and uh, they have a reputation behind it. But, you know, talk to either one of them and you say, you know, there are challenges, yeah. but they're willing to take those challenges.
0: Yeah. You've always been a champion of the little guy. You know it's maybe how you've identified yourself coming up um you know over the years but even from working with you and, and your projects you know showing concern for um the realtors that are just starting out versus the the high volume famous realtors um in all ways like you know thinking about the little guy thinking about the community in wally and what your projects mean to them and how it'll impact them um how do you you know, as your as your business gets huge into the hundreds of millions, how do you how do you feel about becoming such a big guy when you identify so much with the little guy? I don't know. I was 185 pounds
1: now. And I'm less than that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think my mindset is is that my mindset is it doesn't matter how much money you got at the end of the day. I mean, there's an old saying in in Punjabi. Uh, uh, you can only eat uh, so much, then you it's not good for you. So with me, I mean, I, I eat root two, you know what a chapati is, right? So yeah. it's a flatbread. I, I've only ever eaten two. I don't, don't even dodge in third, third one. Once in a while, if the Raj makes fresh naans, I'll make maybe eat three, but very rarely. So how much more do I need? Yeah. Um, uh, and becoming from becoming from a working class, my mindset hasn't really changed much. Yes, I mean, I'm, at my drive. I'm driving an a, a expensive vehicle. We live in, now finally, we, we live in a, a, a home that we really wanted as our retirement home. So there's certain luxuries I do indulge myself in, but my mindset hasn't really changed. So if I was to put into a much smaller home than I live in right now, and tell you the truth, I mean, if I, if I really had the choice of driving something, I'd probably be driving a nice Honda. They're, they're, they're phenomenal vehicles uh, not selling trying to sell Honda to anybody but they're phenomenal vehicle I mean since 19 I think it's 1980 we've always had one Honda in the family always even now I just bought a like I think a year and a half ago bought Raja um, uh, wanted to buy her a Audi or some little bit more expensive car and she didn't every time she looked at it she didn't Somehow it didn't feel good. About it. So one day I just went out and I said, okay, went drove a few cars, just myself, not her, and went to Honda, Honda's CRV, and got in it. It has more bells and whistles than my Range Rover does. Yeah. It drives nicer than the Range Rover does. <laughs> and I said, okay, guys, okay, I'm taking this. So bought it, brought it home, put it in the garage, and said, honey, you got your car. That's what was it. She loves it. Yeah. <laughs> she loves it. Like, <laughs> I, I leased it for one year, thinking that if, if she doesn't like it, then we'll cut through to the lease. But at the end of the one year, she said, No, I like it. I want to keep it. That's fine. Cool. <laughs> and the previous car she had was also Honda CRV for 19 years with only about 80, I think it was 85,000 kilometers on it.
0: That was it. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs>
1: so, so we're not into anything that luxurious, or it's not. The mindset you know i, I want to live in west van or something it, it doesn't interest me i live on half an acre in the farmland area i mean it's now beca- become expensive but it's i don't know i mean my mindset is i um i communicate better w- with the common person uh-huh I, I i understand them i understand their challenges i understand the hardship i understand the um how expensive things are. I understand all of that. Yeah. I mean Raj goes out shopping. Um she'll shop at price point. First thing she does is she wanna buy something and she can buy anything she wants, but she look at the price. And she if it's if she thinks too expensive, she ain't buying it. She yeah. ain't buying it. Yeah. Like I used to every birthday I used to go take her out and say, okay, Anna, I'm gonna buy you some new clothes. Five, eight whatever we bought, within a week, maybe two weeks, she probably return every one of them except
0: one. And the one she kept was the cheapest one. <laughs> yeah. Just the way she is, that's That's report, the
1: way we it? are. I mean, yeah. as I say, it, it 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 really puts a smile on my face um, when I see uh, people are able to buy. So as you know, I mean, every time we've had a sale, I've always been on the sales center. Yeah, every time. It Every time. Because... It, it, it does quite a number of things for me. Number one, I want to f- I want to know what those buyers are saying, saying about the product, saying about the pricing, saying about us. I want to hear them directly. I don't want Cam Good to tell me what they're telling me. I don't want to because it, it's not going to be the same as coming out of their own mouth. And the people who are coming in, I want to know what kind of status they have financially. And when you meet with them. You, I mean, the, the Flamingo, I mean, I was there pretty much whole Saturday, and I was talking to so many people, quite a lot of them were repeat clients, and I or I, or I knew them, um, and it, it puts a smile on their face when somebody invests in piece of real estate, whether they're going to buy it to live in it, or buy their kids, or just an investment as a rental property. It makes me feel good that they're investing in themselves. You know, I'm creating something which helps somebody else uh, secure their future. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a very rewarding feeling when, when you're able to produce something which is going to be better for them in the long run. And real estate is one of those things that doesn't matter when you buy. I mean, the reality is, I mean, oh, people say, well, should I buy now? Or well, prices are so high. Buy the damn thing if you, if you can Yeah, buy it. Yes, price may go down a little bit, but it always comes back more than what it was. Yeah. So the more, as soon as you can buy something, go and buy it. You yeah. want it, go and buy it. Real estate is one thing you do not hesitate with. You can only hesitate on cars, or you can hesitate on everything else, but don't hesitate on real estate.
0: Yeah, I agree. Over the long run, there's nothing better.
1: Oh, I mean, my first house in Richmond was fifty three thousand dollars try and find me a car for $53,000, which is kind of that caliber, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a, uh, I mean, in those days, $53,000 was like a
0: million bucks for me. Yeah. Right? So. so if you don't need the, the wealth, because it's just not who you are, it's not who your wife is, you can't even eat a third piece of naan unless it's a special fresh yeah. occasion. <laughs> why do you do it? Why why work so hard? Why take so much risk to uh, to create all these homes? Um, it's very satisfying. It's very, very satisfying. Honestly, it's, uh, I know it's some people
1: say, oh yeah, he's just bullshitting with me. Uh, no, I'm not. I, it's very, very satisfying to be able to walk into sales center and see the smile on people face when they buy something or go back into the community in Wally and just being able to walk around where the people actually bought from us, talk to the people who moved into it. So I tell you, the last, I think it was last Sunday, we were taking the signs down, the flamingo signs down because of the, we need to take them down. The site's gonna start excavating. And I was standing there with my guy. And so he was taking down and giving some instructions. And a couple came and walked by me and she recognized me. I, I didn't, I kind of recognize her, but I don't remember her name. Uh, and she's just, she was so happy about what we've done, what what she's got. And I, I said, I'm really, I'm, I'm sorry. I I kind of know you, your face, but don't know you. And she pointed up at the, the Quattro One building. She said, we own that uh, two level unit up on top and we've done this to it, we've done this to it. I said, when did you buy it? She said it, it was under actually a bankruptcy that somebody went broke and we bought it and we've done a lot of improvement in it. And uh, and so she tried to explain to me and she actually did a veneer wall in one side of the um, uh, condo. And um, I mean, see that smile and how happy she was to talk to me as a developer. Developers are considered to be bad people. Oh, they are just in it for the money. They're going to take the money and that's where they go. I'm sorry, but thing is, It is a business, but we can't develop anything unless we make certain amount of profit because the bank won't let us, give give us some money for financing. That's it. I mean, bank dictates. So if I I buy the product, I feel I fall in love with it. Okay, it's only gonna make me so much profit. I take it to the bank and i say, I'm okay with that one. They say no, we are not okay with that. Yeah. You know, you're not getting funding for it. And that's it. So we are somewhat dictated by banks to make a certain amount of profit margin. And that profit margin is not just for us, but for the risk. So if the market goes down through the the course of construction, because a corner building, uh, say um, uh, right now we're building Q5, that's going to take us 30 months. The market has shifted in 30 months. I mean, the good thing is the people who bought it, they bought it, At the low level, so even now they actually made money on it. The building isn't finished there, right? Um, So, uh, money has to be there in order to
0: move because we won't get funding on it. Um, It, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to explain. Um, Well, the bad guy, rapid developers, is like the profit motivation that people suspect, and uh, but isn't the bank's requirement only fifteen or twenty percent usually profit? You have to be as close to 20% as you can. Yeah, I see. The 20 is ideal. Somewhere between 15 and 15 20. 15 to 20 is ideal, ideal. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, when you're working on 15, the market sneezes a little bit, you're going lose to about, lose about 5, 7%. Yeah. Right? And that's why they do it. That's why they do it. Yeah, I okay. mean, they're, they're really put, trying to protect us and their investment.
0: I don't think that's too much. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert in all things bought and sold, but anyone that's building or creating anything trying to make a 15 or 20% profit. It sounds like a reasonable number to me. No, because um, the risk is so high. Uh, the risk is so high, the timelines,
1: you're, you're looking at you know almost three years to a building, Yeah. right? And if you can make that sort of money on it, um, why do it? Yeah. I mean, I. Uh, so every project we've done, we've done seven buildings so far, seven billion building under construction now, eight one under construction, they're gonna be starting yeah. construction soon. Uh, I mean, <sighs> It's it's a lot of risk. It is. Um, and somebody says to me, okay, you know what, um, you're making too much money. Well, who's taking the risk? And so, you know, I had a, 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 almost an argument with somebody. Well, you guys make so much money on it. So, you know, you can you can afford to lose a little bit. I might think with them that are you, when you
0: do something, do you want to go into it knowing you're going to lose on it? No, you don't. Yeah. You know? yeah that's my point I, I think you don't need to say that the bank makes me do it in terms of the profit margin because I don't think it's too much and you do make lots of money uh, but that's because of the scale you know and the, these projects scale into hundreds of millions even with a modest profit margin uh, it is a lot of money to be reinvested into well, the future
1: yeah I mean I mean a safer point for me would be to sell um, everything I have and put it into a good quality l- l- lending practice. I make 10, 12%. Yeah. No risk, zero risk. So if I get 10, 10, 12%, why am I taking the risk for another 5%? Because you love it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's a satisfaction you get at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, for me, Wally has uh, been an amazing journey. Uh, we took a piece of raw dirt. Um, nobody liked the area. Um, had a lot of issues in the area. So when we bought the Flamingo property, I mean, that, I mean, for those who have been in the Flamingo when it was running, say 10 years ago, uh, either you're a rough guy or really oh, you just want to see the strip show. Yeah. Right. And um, it, was, it, was t- it was tough going. And uh, I didn't, the good thing is I didn't run it. I always leased it out to somebody. So they were um, running it. But I've been in there a few times where I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there, right? So it's, so we've turned that whole area into it. I mean, when we did the, we were there all there yesterday, uh, pictures taken and I'm standing there looking at the skyline of city center. None of us was there the, when we took over, none. There was not one tower in that area when we went there. Uh, 16 years ago now, There was probably about another 15 towers, something like that. Probably another, there was, I think it was about five, six cranes at the same time. Um, Building being finished off. And and that's going to accelerate. That's going to accelerate. Uh, And we've got the the likes of um, Boza, Concord Pacific, Thin Properties. I mean, Adira, uh, not Adira. um, Who else is there? DCI. DCI, Anthem. So we got the, 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 some of the best uh, developers in town. Mm-hmm. So, no, it, it, it's, um, uh, it's rewarding to a point to be, for a little guy like me to buy so much land and actually do one building at a time and make it happen. That's, yeah. it, it, it's, 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 as I said earlier on, I mean, I went home, uh, even though I was tired, uh, watched a good movie and slept like a baby four o'clock in the morning i was i woke up very very happy this morning it's a good day very happy so yeah it was a good day and they say it's, the satisfaction is what what you do for it and um, how much more money do i need i don't know
0: but uh, but how much more satisfaction i need a lot <laughs> I need A lot. Yeah. Yeah. oh that was awesome i think we should probably wrap there i mean i, I really enjoyed it thank you so much for uh You know, sharing your whole story. I think people are going to be very interested in the journey and the, the good parts and the tough parts and all of it. Thanks so much.